Hello and welcome to Field Interference. This is your host, Ryan G. My guests today are Thomas Corrier and Sarah Corrier. Throughout the last seven years, they have been writing in media and had their voices on radio discussing healthcare alternatives and contrasting them with standard care. They began with a print magazine for retailers that was called Naturally Good Medicine and later created the HealthWise Report. Their website is healthwise.org, spelled W-Y-Z-E, which I would encourage my listeners to visit for the many resources that Thomas and Sarah provide. This website is the de facto online encyclopedia of legitimate alternative therapies. They produced the Cancer Report documentary, the most comprehensive video about the history of cancer and treatments that actually work, which is available on YouTube and can be found on healthwise.org. They also produce periodic audio reports free for download on their website. Their proudest accomplishment is the completion of their book, Defy Your Doctor and Be Healed, which I have ordered and hope to receive soon. Thank you for being on the show today. Sure, we're glad to be here. Yep. I became aware of your website when I found this article entitled, The Shaky Moral Foundation That AE 9-11 Truth Is Built Upon. In this article, I found that you had both worked on the technical team of Richard Gage's Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, which is a 501c3. In other words, it is a nonprofit organization tax-exempt under the Internal Revenue Code. After reading this article, I knew that your story had to be publicized. I want to start out this conversation by reading an excerpt in this article that Sarah wrote. Quote, the organization resists all attempts to actually accomplish anything. It is as if they exist without any purpose other than to be self-perpetuating. For instance, when it was suggested that they reach out to senators, that idea was shot down, and nothing was done. Similar attempts at outreach went in the same direction. Richard stated to us that all that really mattered was that everyone was happy, regardless of the dismal results of the organization. Of course, he neglected to mention this to his donors. It seemed like they had a new spook every week. It became ridiculous. Toward the end, a girlfriend suddenly appeared who Richard began touring Europe with using money that was donated to AE 9-11 Truth. We could recognize the spooks pretty easily because they had everyone profiled and knew exactly what to say from day one. All of the spooks were keenly interested in us because we had the keys to the data. Whenever the organization almost ran out of money, mysterious donations just flooded in. It was just like working at a governmental agency. End quote. Now I want to give you both the stage to elaborate. What caused you to finally leave this organization? Well, there was a long delay before we actually left, a lot of warning signs that we saw. One of the big things 
for me, and I think for Thomas too, was when I personally exposed one of their people as being part of the Department of Defense or Homeland Security. When I announced that on one of their conference calls, I didn't get any sort of shocked response. In fact, there was no response. I was just yeah. told to ignore it. Yeah, they were like, so? Uh... Yeah, when they didn't see that as a problem, I knew that something was seriously wrong. Yeah, I mean, it, it made you wonder how many others there were. I mean, if their reaction was like, well, so, uh, what's your point? Yeah, I and mean, there's just no. that one that I had personally con confirmed, but perhaps they had many others that they were completely you know, fine with existing. Like, for instance, their secret board that they wouldn't, you know, expose. Yeah. Now, they supposedly came, at, came clean with their board, didn't they? But yet there were few... Yeah. They didn't actually still didn't mention. It was just like last year they decided, I guess, under public pressure to announce who their board members were. But certain names, at least one name, was left completely off the list. And the name that was left off the list was just... The most significant person there, yeah, from what we were told. It was Justin Keogh, who, according to Richard, basically ran the organization. So, yeah. <laughs> and played a large part in our departure. So I, I'm curious, what was this uh, individual's name who worked for the Department of Homeland Security? She went by the name Alyssa Pillman. I don't know for sure if that's her real name or not, but that's that's the name she gave when she was mm -hmm. working at AE. Well, yeah, she, uh, when we looked around, she proudly put up a LinkedIn profile about herself, you know, listing her accomplishments, like her job at the Department of Defense, for instance. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That... That really um, astounds me. Uh, yeah. Now, it, now I, I saw in the article you mentioned that that a percentage of the donations that support AE nine eleven Truth are actually governmental payouts that seem to be attributed to people that don't have a uh, formal record; they don't exist. Well, no, we don't actually have any evidence of this chunk of money or that chunk of money coming from an actual agent or an agency, what we did see was that it's uncharacteristic for a charity to constantly run out of its own money, which it doesn't disclose to its own people or even discuss to its own people what its own board of directors has to say in policy or even who they are. It, it does this constantly on a regular basis. It runs out of money, and then suddenly money just appears. Just these huge donations come out of nowhere. And we know what it's like being a charity organization. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's pretty normal for you know, certain organizations that need donations to get, say, you know, $10 here, $20 there, and lots of these little micropayments, I guess we'll call them. Mm -hmm. What's not normal is for when, you know, the, the organization to run out of money to send out an email, for instance, saying, we've used up all the money. You, you've donated already. We've already used it up. We need more, and then suddenly thousands come in. That's not normal. No, no. I can't think of any charity that has that kind of luck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And in fact, uh, I remember whilst there, it happened even when they didn't ask for the donation. It just mysteriously appeared. Whenever they weren't doing so well. Mm-hmm. The money just showed up. So you can have, let's say, a lot of coincidences. Yeah, and the way they throw it away is ridiculous. It's like, in a sense, it is like a government agency. It's like the more they spend, the more they get. And that doesn't happen with any charity I know of. In fact, when I was working there and managing the tech area, and I was trying to shut down different areas that weren't being used, there were lots of servers that were just sitting there, were being built for, 
and yet they weren't being used at all. So I kept shutting them off, shutting them down, and thus saving the organization money. And that wasn't appreciated. In fact, it was like I had done something wrong and strange. Yeah, yeah. How dare you for saving some money? Yeah, and there was something that just seemed really odd about that. Like any legitimate charity would be trying to save money everywhere so they could direct that money towards whatever their main goal was. Hmm, that that kind of reminds me of Congress. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that is a well-known behavior of governmental agencies. You know, the more they spend this year, the more they get next. And we don't have any direct links, you know, to accuse them of being an agency or to be directly connected to a particular agency. We did see that strange phenomena on a regular basis. Now, it seems to me that the organization has become dissolute, that they lack a moral backbone, which is uh, your statement in in the title of this article. Um, You wrote also that they have, that discussions about yourselves now have become officially discouraged by the management of A&E and uh, that this seems to be as if you are targets of a cult shunning. Now, I'm curious, what what did you do in the organization, and why would it have become so obscure to discuss your names? Well, whilst we were there, we were the techs, and that's, for the most part, all we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't really any great reason why we should be the, the subject of the, the shunning, except for the fact that we were more or less, uh, I mean, we were almost forced out. We, we were broomed out. Yeah. Like exactly. criminals. And other than that, there was no reason for us to be shunned, as it were. But we've also heard other accounts, people who have left the organization and who should no longer be mentioned. And we've heard from those who were still in the organization that were we, quote, sensitive subject now whenever our names are brought up yeah. on the conference call. That's pretty common. Um, once, you're, once you've gone beyond being a member to like the volunteer level where you're in the inner circle somewhat, you know, not the, the main inner circle, but one of the inner circles, if you leave the organization for one reason or another, you like you don't exist anymore. Like it's, it, it really it, is like leaving a cult. It is, it, it is a cult. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just no way around it. It's like, you know, they they call us all hours of the day for just this silly reason or that silly reason, just to, and, and then after talking to them for a few minutes, it would be like, we're just making sure you're okay with everything. And um, <laughs> we're like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're okay, you know, and it, it got kind of creepy after a while, frankly. Well, most of the volunteers, and the more involved that you are, the more you're required to enter these conference calls. You know, most organizations have some sort of way of communicating as a group once a week, say. There it's every day or several times a day. So you have five or six conference calls each an hour long every day. And the more involved you are with the organization, the more calls you get pulled onto. And so soon you're spending three hours of the day speaking directly with Richard Gage and other members. Yeah, who is like the cult leader, the Exactly. So the more involved you are, the, the more embroiled you are with this cult. You can't really completely pull away. You're constantly in contact. Yeah, and we tried. Yeah. We tried. They, we tried to qu- Sarah was with the organization for, I don't know, how long was it, Sarah? Uh, in total, it was almost a year and a half. It was, it was a long time. But mm-hmm. for most of that time, for about the first year or so, I was smart enough not to get pulled in. 
uh, just a little bit of me, Sarah's thing on the side that she worked on. And eventually they hooked me too. It was, I think it was on one of these calls where Sarah was thinking about quitting and Richard Skyped us up and did his puppy dog eye thing to Sarah. And I was there and I made the mistake of making eye contact. And so I was pulled in too. And instead of leaving, ended up being both. We both of us ended up working for them. But it wasn't long after that that both of us got burned out pretty quickly. It was like they were excited. We have two of them now, two two members there. So it got really crazy, and we decided to pull out. It was it became sort of all-consuming. They calling constantly for this little issue or that, or somebody's feelings were hurt. And we just decided enough is enough for this soap opera. Let's get out. And we tried to quit on four different occasions, I believe. Yep. And after the first one, they went into high alert mode, like one of our members is thinking about leaving. And so somebody hit the red alert, and they called Sarah up and begged and offered to pay her. And it was at this point we realized they're paying people. You know, they they don't tell the public that. They pretend like they're this charity and that only Richard is getting paid. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is there's quite a few people getting paid. Yeah. And wow, so, so they were basically just waving money in your face saying, stay with us, stay with us. We, we, we want your support. Yeah, yeah. And like on three or four times after that, I think it was like three times after that, the same thing happened and they just kept begging and upping the money and we finally gave in in like every case. Until the end. Until the very end when... Um, Apparently, we had incurred the wrath of Justin, and they, they broomed us out and locked us out of our own systems. And they, they wouldn't even take our calls. We, we got the shunning treatment. We couldn't even, like, find out what was going on and what we were supposed to do and if we had been fired or not. Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't just, say, Richard who wasn't answering our calls. Suddenly, we were being cut off by just random, you know, volunteers of yeah. different teams who we didn't think were that embroiled. Yeah, and there was this... One dude, um, I'll go ahead and say, mention he was Greg. Um, everybody over at AE who hears this will know immediately who Greg is because he stands out in the crowd. He uh, he cut us off too, and was supposedly a really good friend of Sarah for no reason whatsoever. Just participated in the shunning, and at a later date, when talking to his girlfriend, Greg had actually expressed that Sarah had somehow betrayed him. Yeah, that's it, when it, it, it really started sense. to get get strange when you know when, when we're accused of betraying them for being brushed out. It was it was utterly bizarre. I, yeah, it just made no <laughs> sense. And well, I, what I'm curious I, about how, how could you betray them? It it seems with my short conversation with you before this that they they don't seem to be. Uh, accomplishing their stated goals. So what what could you have done to betray an organization which is uh, not not seemingly uh, uh, achieving what it, what it sets out to do? The problem with the betrayal thing is not that we ever betrayed them. The problem is is that we didn't want to betray the public, the members. Not just putting the inner circle aside of the the main teams that were involved. I'm talking about average Joe Blow who comes to the site wants to be a part of it, wants to make a difference, wants the truth to get out, signs the petition, maybe makes a donation, but maybe doesn't, maybe buys something, who knows. The average people out there who just want to contribute, be a part of it, and support this organization, those are the people who we were trying to protect, and that is where the problem 
came up. Yeah. I think that it's kind of important that we let people know really what we were protecting. Okay, you see, as the tech team, we had to protect, and we felt that it was our duty to protect the information from those who came to AE, and they signed their petition, they gave a name, an address, a phone number, information about what schools they went to, what degrees they may have earned, the statement that they make about 9-11, and any additional information that they want to make. And then they got called sometimes, too. Yeah, any additional information they want to make about how involved they wish to be. And we thought that was pretty personal information. Well, it wasn't just that. They would actually call these people on the phone, mm-hmm. you know, the people who signed the petition, to get more information from them. And without telling these people, this same information was compiled into the same database where I had a record of them. So the people who participated at AE who did the petition and got that phone call and stuff probably don't realize just how much information got compiled about them. And some of the research was independent. Even after they got called, they had people at AE that would scavenge the Internet, getting information about people they thought they needed more information about. Well, inside the infrastructure, there's actually a system set up so people can just click a button and it will automatically do Google searches for this person's email address and name so you can find out more about them more easily and help compile. They had somebody build, build that in, yes. Yeah. An extractor. Mm-hmm. And so the problem was with us trying to protect that information. Yeah, I mean, um, we are talking about Alyssa earlier. Well, Alyssa, the, that's the, the Department of Defense lady. Yeah. Well, Alyssa was trying to get access to that, and in fact, at one point, I think did get access to that because she was allowed to uh, vet all the volunteers, and that gave her access to... to, to the, Let me explain what vetting is. Yeah, it's a part of the data. And what I mean is, when you have somebody who comes to volunteer to offer to help the organization, she became one of the people who would decide whether or not they would get to be involved. Yeah, well, they would be actually invited onto the team. Yes. Now, of course, she's working for the Department of Defense, so she knows profiling and how to be able to tell if this person is going to, say, step out of line or not. Mm-hmm. And we tried to to keep her and others that seem to be very... Spooky. Spooky. Away from the data as much as we could, but we were stifled in any attempt to do that. Mm-hmm. People were acting like we were the crazy ones for wanting to keep the data secure. Well, what was amazing was how fast she rose in the organization and her skill set. Wouldn't you say? Her skill set was interesting because it changed so rapidly according to what was needed. I mean, she went from knowing almost nothing to being, well, <laughs> to, to knowing about five different languages. Computer languages, that is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like she she knew nothing, and suddenly she knew HTML and PHP and CSS and JavaScript and just anything you could think of that we might need. We talked about needing at some point. She suddenly knew these languages, and I mean in a matter of days. So, like on a first attempt to get into our team, you know, to get into the servers and the data, she knew nothing. She was just this nice, friendly girl who wanted to learn. Well, we turned her away initially because. She was incompetent. She didn't know anything about programming, so we couldn't use her. Okay, then we thought it was fishy that she came back with all these new skills, so we went around and, look, and looked her up, and, oh, my gosh, she's, she's bragging to the whole world. She's worked at the Department of Defense. Yeah, and then I start getting called and asked to let her in by other people, and <laughs> then it starts to get really kind of spooky, and then when I announce why we're trying to keep her away... Nobody seems to care. Yeah. So Alyssa wasn't really, well, there may be an Alyssa, 
But Alyssa, as we know her from AE, wasn't a single person because of her skill set. She was a team, a team of people calling themselves Alyssa, who could draw upon other people's resources as need be mm-hmm. to get the job done. So it seems you're suggesting that there was a, a secretive presence here in the uh, in the organization that that there was um, a lot going on in the background that that you were not allowed to be aware of. Well, I mean, these sort of people don't come out and tell you who they are and what they're really trying to do. But we did see other people like that who would just show up and their skills would change from day to day. You know, whatever they thought we wanted to hear and had everyone profiled. They'd show up, and within a day, they knew exactly what to say to everyone, including people they had never met before. When somebody knows everything about everybody who's just met them, yeah, that's a pretty bad sign, generally. And and even in some cases, seems to have a different personality depending on who they're communicating with. Mm -hmm. You know, just to fit what what might be ventures to see. Yeah, like, will the real Alyssa stand up? Sounds like a a classic description of neuro-linguistic programming, from my point of view. Well, I don't know, but I can tell you it got spooky. I, I feel that, very... that when you... Uh, well, I, I attended a lecture by Richard Gage, a presentation of, of sorts, um, in the Bay Area, and I saw... Um, my first impression was that these people were were trying to do something that was uh, beneficial to to all of us. That they they wanted a new investigation. This was probably about two thousand nine, and I quickly, being a member of the audience, recognized a cultish presence where everybody who came was just showing their support. People were not very discerning. It was it. It seemed to be that uh, it, it wasn't so much about the truth, but more about the group, the strength of the group, not about finding the truth. And so uh, it, this, this really uh, came uh, conclusively to my head when Richard Gage took a uh, a public poll of sorts. He, uh, you could call it a, a vote count. He uh, asked everybody to raise their hand and uh, and say whether they agree with what he's saying. It seemed that he was seeking more uh, quantity than quality. Please check us out and read our reports at the HealthWise Report website. You can find us on the internet at healthwise.org. Take special note that WISE is spelt W-Y-Z-E. We spell it W-Y-Z-E to emphasize wisdom. We are a not-for-profit organization, although we are not registered as a not-for-profit, non-profit, or any other classification with any governmental agency. Nevertheless, we are a non-profit organization, so we're always needing donors to help us to continue our work, whether it be the equipment for these radio shows, our website and network infrastructure, various fees for our movie productions, and of course, the occasional video game to help us maintain our sanity through it all. If you are someone who cannot donate, or who does not wish to, you can also support us by visiting our online store. That can also be found at healthwise.org, and again, WISE is spelt W-Y-Z-E. We have to be careful about what claims we make about our products, including claims that can be verified, because we know of at least one governmental agency that would like to shut us down. We can tell you that in our opinion, our colloidal copper lotion has qualities that cannot be found in any other lotion sold, anywhere else. 
So, if you have joint or skin problems of any kind, we recommend that you check out our lotion. The HealthWise Report staff also offers hosting, networking, and technical support for anyone who wants to have their own website or assistance with internet technologies. Our technical skills place us among the best of the best. Thanks for listening to this. We'll get back to the show now. All right. Well, we're back with Thomas Courier and Sarah Courier from healthwise.org. That's spelled W-Y-Z-E. And we are talking about AE 911 Truth. I wanted to revert back to something you said earlier about this Justin Keough, uh, who, whom you seem to suggest was uh, sort of an owner of the organization. Please elaborate on that. Well, of sorts. It was said to us by Richard in what was probably the last conversation that we yeah, had. Most people didn't even know about him. Yeah. I mean, only the techs even knew about him. Yeah. And when we were kind of arguing with Richard in this last conversation, and he was, in the past he'd been talking about this, this secretive board and the decisions that they've made and how they might be implemented. And in this last call, he said to us, Justin is the board which you can easily infer from that that, well, he's all-powerful all in the organization. Yeah, just in the Almighty. Yeah. So. But he played uh, probably the biggest part of getting us removed from the organization. And, well, I don't want to make too much conjecture about, you know, why he did what he did, although some of it would seem a little obvious. But he started out... Um, at the point in which we started getting paid, of telling us to ask for more. And he would coach us into how to ask for more or even somewhat demand more as based on what our needs were and what a tech is supposed to get paid. Mm -hmm. If I recall, did the thing where he told us we're supposed to ask for what is, quote, normal, unquote, pay for a tech organization. Yeah, he thought it was was important that we... Ask the same amount that another tech in you know, a real job might get. Yeah, a large corporation, a tech who's running the network. Mm-hmm. That's what we were supposed to, in other words, build the organization as much as possible. But what made this so surprising was he's right at the top of this nonprofit who is telling us that we need to build it as much and as often as possible. So it really didn't make a lot of sense, especially at first we were in shock. Yeah. You know, shouldn't he be trying to save as much money as, as possible. much money as possible, and not to give us as much as possible for what we're doing. And we never bit. We never actually went for it. The raises that we got, we never asked for. They were during during times when we were just trying to quit and get out, and they just would not take no for an answer. And they just threw more money at us as a result. So we got several pay increases while there. Though we never asked for one, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. But he would not let up on that topic that he contacted us on a fairly regular basis yeah. about taking more money. I'd say every few weeks. <laughs> it, it would seem yeah. that, that uh, a person could infer from that that he was actually uh, bilking himself or or knowledge or ha- had knowledge of uh, people who were bilking and, uh, and was okay with that. We can't prove that, but it would be in the direction of what common sense would tell you. And uh, and it does seem that I mean, being that you, you were saying that most people didn't weren't even aware of Justin Keogh's presence, and yet Gage uh, agreed that he had a a large hand in the uh, organization, a, a guiding hand, if, if you will. Um, it, 
obviously I, I wouldn't uh, I, I don't think you're saying he was the only one um, I believe mm-hmm. you you suggested to me uh, in our conversation before the show that uh, Stephen Jones was actually one of the uh, people who had a guiding or, or some sort of an invisible presence in the organization where he if he made a decision the organization would follow is this true well, they considered him as one of their most important members because he screamed credibility, the, the sort of credibility they were looking for. So he got the royal VIP treatment in pretty much every matter. And if they thought, you know, there was an issue where they might risk losing Stephen over, Richard, you could be sure, would give in and give him what he wanted. Yeah. Wow. And uh, another very uh, interesting aspect of of what you wrote on your page i mean in light of the fact that i i'm seeing i mean i've seen personally evidence but i you're you're certainly developing evidence that the organization is not standing up to its stated goal it's not accomplishing uh any sort of a new investigation and we could uh i i believe it, it needs to be stated that if an organization of 2,000 architects and engineers is asking for a new investigation, who do they think would conduct such an investigation other than architects and engineers? Yeah, it certainly seems like they are looking to the government who did the first investigation to do an investigation all over again and somehow hope that they come up with a different result. It's like asking the criminals to investigate themselves. Yeah, I mean, certainly a conflict of interest. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what are you expecting different this time, really? And, you know, that's how we first got disenchanted with the organization. It was when we realized that, really, only it's, it's only accomplishing self-perpetuation and taking people's money and putting together a list that would be very useful to the government, a way to track people. That's really all they're accomplishing. I mean, that may not be how they started out or even how, the top echelon of the organization is intending to do things, but that is the end effect of what they produced. They have a watch list now, and it's at one point we realized, you know, they're not doing any good. This is what they're producing. They're not accomplishing any real mission. Well, I think early on, if I remember correctly, we kind of almost rolled our eyes at the idea of the petition because... Well, the whole idea that you know you can petition the government, they'll redo it and get a different result seems ridiculous. So they'll investigate themselves, but if necessary. Yeah, but um, we kind of we found that fairly tolerable based on the fact that they seem to be getting the word out, and you know it's like that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, good they get the word out that that 9/11, what happened there, wasn't in accordance with the official story. Yes, yeah, something was wrong with the story. And that seemed like a good thing, but when you counterbalance that with the fact that all they're doing is creating this list. And suddenly it doesn't seem like it's a good trade-off. Well, that, that was another thing that bothered us, too, that it was a dawning moment. When we realized that, you know, you've got all these various truther organizations out there trying to get the word out just to get people to question the official story because the official story is ridiculous because you can't burn down a concrete building with jet fuel. It's, it's absurd from the get-go. It's never happened in history, hasn't happened since, because it can't happen. You have to get you, – you can't turn – you, you can't melt concrete and structural steel with any standard fuel. Yeah. It's, it's not possible. 
but that's another tangent. You know, we can go over the the science and etc. Well, I, I certainly can can agree with that much. Um, I I must say though that uh, what what struck me on your page, I, I mean, you have a a what is it? Uh, maybe twelve or thirteen listed reasons as to why both of you left the organization. But the top reason, and I, I found this um, the most compelling, is. AE 911 Truth is strictly opposed to any alternate theory regarding what happened to the towers. And uh, and uh, on on the note of the uh, calling for an investigation, as I understood it back in 2009 when I still supported them, I noticed that they were calling for an independent investigation. So whether it was conducted in Switzerland or uh, you know. Uh, Nigeria doesn't doesn't matter. A, an independent investigation will do. Well, I I think that stated goal has changed to a governmental organization, and it's it's changed explicitly. I want to I want to add a couple of points. One on the last point from before, where I was talking about we had that dawning moment. There's something not right here. Well, we also realized that amongst all these different organizations that are trying to get the word out and get people to question the official story, to take a different look at it, because it can't be true, the only successful organization is AE. They're all over the news. They've been everywhere. I mean, and I'm not talking about just the mainstream news, which, which help. I mean, that, that's, that's plenty there when you're talking about just the mainstream news. But, heck, they made it in the alternative news as well. I mean, they were everywhere. They got the kind of coverage you just can't buy. And for an organization to be propelled like that, well, it's it's really fishy when they're keeping everyone else out, locked out and down. Well, and, and if they're calling for an investigation, why do they hold uh, a certain official theory? Why, why would they not be open to alternate uh, ideas or, or concepts uh, derived from the evidence? Well, to be honest, you're just scratching the surface. I mean, it's not just alternative theories on how the Twin Towers fell. Uh, what was it? The other building, was it 7 or 6? Uh, 7? Well, yeah, World Trade Center 7. They, they've only recently started going into that, haven't Well. Yeah. Well, I know that the topic of the Pentagon, for instance, is it, completely forbidden. It is. Mm-hmm. As well as that other plane that went down, the one that was shot down. Mm-hmm. They, well, I, you can't talk about if you don't mind, I, I must go back on, on one thing you said, is that uh, th- there were seven buildings destroyed in uh, Manhattan that um, they they s- seem to restrictively talk about one, two, and seven. But there were seven buildings with a World Trade Center prefix in there uh, uh, that, that were uh, destroyed uh, by, by some means. Mm-hmm. Well, I do know that they often talked about different outreach, and for a small period, they started to set up these little groups, like grassroots little movements was their attempt, kind of like the We Are Change chapters. Yeah, like reaching out to them. Yes, and they wanted to create their own groups. And yet, they wanted to, to do the same sort of vetting process that they do on their, their regular volunteers I was talking about earlier. And they, they maintained this list on their website of these groups, and then they'd look through to these, these groups' websites, and if anything was mentioned about the Pentagon or an alternate theory as to what happened on 9-11, then they just yes, they would just be gone. And not only would they be gone from the list, but Richard would start refusing to, to go to those venues to speak. 
<laughs> well, I mean, they had this arrogant attitude towards other organizations. You know, when you bring up, we, we need to reach out to this group or that group or what have you, they were happy to use them for a while to promote AE, but then when it was all over, then there was this regal attitude of, well, they're not architects and engineers, they don't matter. Yeah. And, you know, then all mention of them would just, like, disappear. In other words, you could say that the, the primary focus, I mean, it, this is in light of, of what you've been saying, that the primary focus of this organization was to keep an eye on specifically the architects and engineers, uh, w which uh, purportedly could be uh, intrinsic in uh, understanding the, the process by which these buildings were destroyed. You're right, it would seem that way, but more interesting, they're not calling upon these people, these experts that are so important, to actually do an investigation. These are the very people who should be doing the investigation. They're not asking them to do it. They're taking their names, working with them, and then saying, well, you guys don't investigate it. Look the other way. We'll have the government investigate it again. We'll let our own government investigate instead. It doesn't make any sense. It's like a magic trick. Mm -hmm. you know, don't look what's up this sleeve. Just look this way. We'll focus on getting the government to do it all over again. It seems well, like that. almost a, a priestly order of obedience. <laughs> if I could if yeah. I could say that. Anyway, I found that you well, you were just explaining that they basically exploited We Are Change for their uh j just to gain a fan base, but but there was not much respect towards ordinary citizens. Um what why is it that it, it seems that they they don't seem to create an understanding of of what happened on 9/11 they seem to want to only discuss their single theory why why do you think that there is this uh, campaign against uh a, a a true understanding of the event well it's sad to say but they act almost like a corporation who's trying to keep out alternatives you know to try and mm -hmm. act like the big monopoly yeah yeah it would seem that way in this case. But there's also another possibility, and I, I want to suggest this as just a possibility and not that I have any any evidence to this. But if they were working the other side, if this organization were even worse than we suspect and were actually actively working the other side, one thing they could do is present a theory like this and get everyone to accept it. And once everyone accepted that theory, that alternative theory, then at some point in the future after that, they could disprove their own theory. And then suddenly the whole truther movement implodes. In other words, to create a, uh, a d default, um, unprovable uh, hypothesis, which, which, uh, which would in turn be uh be, which would become uh unnecessary for anybody to recognize is it, would that be the case okay i'm not saying i think this is the case i'm just saying this is the worst case possibility sure okay it's 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 a possibility among others well um you know i i see that uh very clearly uh i i think that i mean when you understand that you know one of the primary object or one of the primary 
parts of their theory is this need to tell people that it was thermite. Well, thermite uh, only ignites at a very high degree of temperature, and that we it actually requires other explosives like RDX charges to ignite that thermite. And uh, so, so what? Why do you think that they seem to exclude the possibility of of speaking about other types of devices rather than uh, s- simply uh, promoting this this thermite hypothesis? You know, there there are several possibilities. Uh, as Sarah mentioned, um, there is a this, this organization doesn't really act like a charity. And that it wants the market share, and therefore it wants to dominate and monopolize the theory. And that is one possibility. All right. Well, I I was uh, very curious why you feel that the the group refuses to state what it does with its funding, and the the fundraising does, as as you stated, appears to be its core operation. Mm-hmm. Well, it does disclose some information, you know, like the money that they put into their videos and their TV commercials, and you know about some of it. Yeah, but the bulk of the funding seems to go, as far as I've been able to tell, towards funding the, you know, so-called volunteers or semi-employees. Well, there's Richard's touring money that he uses to tour the country and other countries, as he did in his case when he toured Europe with his new girlfriend who showed up and knew all the right things to say, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then there's Richard's uh, regular salary, which is like 60 grand, which is not bad for somebody who mm-hmm. just makes, a, makes some phone calls every day. Well, I, I've actually uh, heard a much higher number um, in in research uh, friends of mine have done, which is uh, I, I've heard numbers as high as eighty thousand. Uh, that maybe at one time it was sixty thousand, but but it's actually increased since that time. Well, I believe that was the original figure. Yeah, I believe that was that number. The sixty thousand came from a, a book that was released by a board member who was also the accountant. Who was the accountant and became disenchanted. Uh, he wrote the book that included a lot of figures, and that included the 60 grand. And he cried about that one. Well, not literally, but he wasn't happy with a meager 60 grand for mm-hmm. his phone calls and appearances. Do you remember his name? Yes, it was Michael Armenia it was his name. Right, and uh, the book you... I remember you mentioning mentioning this before the show. Uh, is, is it titled Nano Management? That's correct. So, it is is it pretty much? I mean, I I don't see many people that were actually a part of the organization dissenting from a nine eleven truth uh, myself. But I, I may I may just be ignorant to that fact. But uh, is it just you and Michael Armenia that uh, that are dissenting, or do you know of others? I remember hearing rumors of people who had left, but they didn't talk much about them because at that point they were being shunned, like, you know, everyone else who leaves. And also there's the fact that not many people do leave because it is like a cult. It really embraces that that mentality. So these are people who are essentially lost, I think. They're looking for something, some meaning in their lives, and this organization is, like, all-embracing. 
Yeah. It's part of the fellowship. And certainly in the case of people who are, say, higher up the ranks in the organization, well, in those cases, they're more likely to, say, get paid to, to stay so that way they don't have to go to their, their jobs anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of incentives to stay. Although I know there are at least a couple of cases of people who've left, but you know, like Thomas was saying, uh, nobody really talks about them yeah, after they leave. It's like the stuff of legends, and yet they don't really say that much because they're, like, they're not part of the fellowship anymore. Yeah. Could, could you in, infer from that that possibly the the purpose of this organization and and I'm I'm not asking for uh, data exactly, but more your your opinion. Could you could you infer that the the purpose of this organization is to stunt interest in 9/11 and to uh, get people to not really officially think about it uh, in a, or think about the the official. Uh, uh, story. I'm more of the opinion that it's there to uh, to attract the attention of those who are in a position to be able to question the official story and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my, my to opinion. To gather that data, um, to attract them, so they can gather that data in what we text sometimes call a honeypot. So you, you would uh, refer to this organization as a honeypot? Would you agree that it's stunting interest in this, uh, in in truly investigating the event? Well, I don't think it's stunting interest in 9/11 as you know the official story not being true, but it may very well be stunting interest in, say, alternative theories mm-hmm. by attracting people yeah. and keeping them in this one area. Yeah, and I want to make it clear that Richard and his board may not be trying to make a honeypot. And I'm not going to accuse them of that, but I have to say that that's the end effect. That's what they created. Whether they mean it or not. Whether they mean it or not, yes. Implicitly or complicitly, they uh, they have created a honeypot of sorts, and uh, and you're inferring that the government could use this as uh, uh, essentially as a database to to uh, ward out the troublemakers? Well, I, I'd have to say it does. It's not a, It could use it. I'm, I'm sure it does. I have no doubt they have infiltrators. I have no doubt whatsoever. Yeah. yeah I feel pretty confident mm-hmm. And And so why... Um, or, or how do you see that they, they are effectively able to limit conversation about, about that single fact? The biggest part of, well, the biggest problem for me when it comes to AE and them stifling information is just if if they truly thought that, you know, if they had the, you know, the number one theory, then why would they be so opposed to finding alternate theories? You think that they'd be happy to argue yeah. and have this discourse, but instead what they do is they monitor, for instance, their YouTube videos. They look at the comments and delete any that. There's an alternate... Yeah, that suggests anything else might have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because true science doesn't fear investigation. Exactly. It, it doesn't. And then there's the 9-11 blogger thing after Justin took over. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many of your listeners know, but 9-11 blogger is a website that well, discusses the topic of 9-11 and what, what happened. One of the biggest. Yeah. Um, Justin Keogh took over that website. He didn't start it. And when he took over, 
he did what AE always does. It <laughs> stifled, stifled discussion of the Pentagon, of alternate theories of what might have happened to the towers. Mm-hmm. This, it's not, sort of say, healthy toward finding out mm-hmm. what, what did actually happen. It doesn't really make sense in, yeah. in the scope of what they're supposed to be accomplishing. It, it became an advertising medium for AE and what it wanted to promote. Yes. And there have been a lot of heated discussions about that online, what he did to that site, that there was an agenda at play, that, you know, he wasn't just taking over to Foster and Stewart that site on, that he took it over because it was a big site, and he wanted to change the direction of the discussion. I think there is quite a bit more to discuss on this issue. I wanted to stay somewhat around the surface in the sense that I, I think we can go much deeper in a future episode and uh but but i think during this episode we have effectively uh proven that this organization ae 911 truth is essentially shooting itself in the foot they call for a new investigation and yet they stifle uh any true understanding of the event we've seen that they are working or or at least not uh, very, very concerned that that they have people working with them that are government officials, uh, as in this Alyssa Pillman, who's who worked for uh, the Department of Defense. And to to me, it seems that if the government wanted to create a cover up, that this is exactly what that cover up would look like. And I want to say thank you. Uh, Thomas and Sarah Courier for being on the show. No problem. Sure. Good to be here. Yeah, we enjoyed it.